Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the App EVs podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rogers, and today we'll be talking about the Aptera news for the week of May 30th through June 5th, 2021. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing predictions for the upcoming webinar on the beta testing of Aptera, as well as a small update on Crank Software and their user interface. Hello, welcome everyone. I hope you had a great week. I wanted to kick things off this episode with the discussion about the plans to for Aptera to reveal. I guess the either we'll be talking about the Soul, the the current alpha testing prototypes. Um, the Soul prototype is the the mostly white wrapped Aptera version that's also front wheel drive, as well as they're they're planning to talk about the beta versions of the vehicle in an upcoming webinar that will be this Wednesday, June 9th, featuring Aptera co-founders Chris Anthony and Steve Fambro, as well as their, their chief designer, Jason Hill. I'll, I'll include a link to the webinar in the show notes. Um, Aptera, they recently hosted a call with the with the, their Aptera ambassadors, of which I am a part of that group. And I wanted to start things off with a recap of some of the highlights from that call. It, it well, at least the parts that are are based on publicly available information. Before jumping into my predictions for the upcoming webinar, and and I would be I'd be more than than interested in hearing the predictions from from any listeners. So first, firstly, um, you know, starting with the components of the the ambassador call and components that related to the design of the vehicle I, I wanted to highlight or I guess one of the highlights was that it was mentioned again that the size of the Aptera has been increased and the although at the same time the aerodynamics of the vehicle have been improved as well and, and this is something that's been going back a, a while I, I think that Aptera's chief technology officer Nathan Armstrong mentioned the improved aerodynamics as well as the improved in interior space and so that you know know, good to hear that that i i think we're gonna we're finally going to hear about what you know what the implications of that and what it what it means specifically maybe with um, an updated faq on the website You you can currently download the specs on the website and you know they have the the interior space i think it says 25 cubic feet and there's the length and width of the vehicle and so you know when they're there I guess when they're going into the detail or more detail on Wednesday I think we'll hear more about that um, it, second you know one of the the components that related to the design of the vehicle is that it was mentioned and and this is again also been alluded to in the past that a lot of work has been done on corroborating data that they've gathered through their extensive modeling process in making sure that real world testing matches up with that and 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 that makes sense for you know especially for not for any vehicle that you're trying to bring to market but in particular one with such a unique design and the last other tidbit related to the design of the vehicle that i think we'll get more information on or i'm hoping so on the call was related to aptera's continued efforts to negotiate with contractors uh, for the the parts for the vehicle, it, this is something that you know, has been referred to in the past by Aptera's co-founders, speaking about the advantages to starting an electric vehicle company. In well, I guess they they kick they kick things off again, and maybe 2019 
versus when they originally started the company back in 2006, 2007, is that there's an entire market of vendors who are designing a whole host of, of parts for the vehicle. Everything from the electric motors, the, well, I mean, there's there's the, the hub motors, but the there's there's the the steering wheel components the batteries that there's just a whole host of suppliers that they had to pretty much invent on their own when they originally started the company and so now there's a whole host of suppliers and the, the challenge then is finding the right one and and the right match for for the company and and so this is again a normal part of the process of ramping up towards production but i i'm also curious about the impact of the growing momentum that Aptera seems to have had in in recent months with the growing number of reservations. I think they're averaging around 2,000 new pre-orders per month, and they're up to around 11,000 total. And you can imagine that you know there are some suppliers they're they're only operating in bulk. They they're used to or or there maybe there's probably a minimum order size for a range of parts and when Aptera was originally approaching some of these vendors for everything, there was a, I remember there was kind of a, a, a an intense debate on the Aptera forums about the seatbelts for the the car. And I think at some point it's been revealed that the, excuse me, not the, the airbags, that the, that the airbags that will be used in the, in the car are based on a, I think they're they're built into the, the seatbelt. And that was in, in part because of challenges negotiating with suppliers for traditional airbags that were based in the wheel, and when Aptera was first approaching these these suppliers, you know, unable to guarantee a, a minimum order size, and, and maybe attempting to see how few or they could get for for the short term, and with the plans for larger orders in the future, I can imagine that it was it was it's far more challenging six months ago than now being able to come and say. Hey, you know, we have 11,000 people that have pre-ordered the car, and that that equates to, you know, based off of, you know, the, surely there will be some attrition. Some of those people will, will jump, will drop out. Some of those people won't need the car, or won't need the vehicle, won't go through the purchase. But if Aptera can say it with much more precision uh, the the number of parts that they'll need, I imagine that's improving their their the conversations and the requests that they're making with suppliers. And so it's good to to hear and you know that they're continuing to negotiate on, on that effort and and the uh, uh, a couple other highlights from the call that i wanted to 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 note you know one if you've been following uh, a, a, i think a, a key talking point within the electric vehicle space has been plans that, that i think that were included within the budget proposed by the biden administration so this is this is impacting the u.s and not folks who are based outside of the u.s for it not just extending the the electric vehicle tax credit, but increasing the tax credit from seventy five hundred dollars to twelve thousand five hundred dollars for vehicles that meet certain criteria. I think they need to be manufactured within the U.S. and made with union labor. The the I, I believe the idea there is that it would benefit manufacturers like Ford with their new Lightning and their and their their Machi and other traditional American auto automakers. And it, what's good to hear is that Aptera, as part of their overall lobbying effort, I, I believe they are working to ensure that the EV tax credit, there's there's currently two EV tax credits. There's a $7,500 tax credit, and then there's also a much smaller 
dollar tax credit that applies to motorcycles and three-wheeled vehicles slash auto cycles like Aptera and I believe they're they're working to extend the the much higher tax credit to Aptera which if they are successful in those efforts would be massive as, as you're talking about what is in my mind is the best value for money EV at it at one of the lowest prices for an EV you know if a 25 25 I think it's $25,900 250 mile that's the minimum spec Aptera is also eligible for a $12,500 tax credit. You know that's that that makes the the vehicle incredibly affordable. And likewise for the the 40 kilowatt hour, 60 kilowatt hour, and 100 kilowatt hour variants. You know you're you're essentially the the 1,000 mile variant would be have a starting price of a little over $30,000 which is pretty pretty astonishing. And and lastly I'll it, I'll say that it, I think we're we're looking for some there should be some news soon about fundraising and their their plans for for or I guess to for a second round of of crowd I guess it, I don't know if it'll be still crowdfunded I guess if it's operating through their website and it's you know not they're not a public company or not offering shares I guess it's crowdfunded but it looks like there should be some news on that effort shortly and so with that out of the way I wanted to talk through what my big predictions are for the webinar that will be on Wednesday first this is something that I, I talk about it I feel like a broken record on this point and you know I I guess un until they they say officially that I'm wrong on this I'm going to keep predicting it and I think that we're going to either see a range increase or a performance increase for the car. And, and when we get, when we finally get the details on their track testing, on the results of the improved aerodynamics, the, you know, the improved space and improved efficiency, you know, I, I think I think either either we're looking at increased range or improved zero to sixty times. And it's this is this is just a prediction that I'm making based off of. The, the the math um, if the if the aerodynamics change if the efficiency changes there should be un, unless they make some other physical changes to the car or 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 I guess a, it's theoretically it's feasible that they were their their overall performance specs were more aspirational and they've just reached those specs now but it would suggest if if the numbers were initially accurate when they revealed the vehicle, back in December of 2019 or is it December 2019 or I guess it was December 2020 when they did the the big video but they launched in 2019 but if, if these numbers were correct back in 2019 then they should be they should be better now um, and there are a, a lot of ways in which this could be communicated you know maybe they'll say that the all-wheel drive variant will be the one that will have the same range at 250 400 600 1000 and the front wheel variant will have slightly more than that and and the the all-wheel drive maybe that will be the official while everyone will know that the two-wheel drive variant typically all-wheel drive variants of, of EVs they use more power and so they end up with shorter range or at least that's the thing that you see with the the Teslas or or maybe what we're going to see is that the three and a half second zero to sixty time for the all-wheel drive variant is going to start to creep downwards and at, at this webinar they're going to talk about that so that that's my first big prediction the second prediction is that I think we're going to learn about the first opportunities that people will have 
both in and outside of the U.S. to see the vehicles. I, 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 we're we're coming to the end of the alpha testing phase. There's there's you know, they've done the the noir, the soul. Um, it I think you know, based off of the fact that there's three main models that you can order: noir, soul, and Luna. We'll probably see a Luna version. But if and then we're gonna they they're gonna go into beta testing at some point. If we're that close to beta testing, we're we're into the latter half of 2021 with the goal of the first production vehicles being available at the end of this year i think that we're at about the time you know that they're they're showing it to people they're taking it on the track they're going to let people know when when if you're outside of the san diego area or maybe starting within san diego of where you can see the vehicle you know maybe you won't be able to take a test drive they'll they'll be shipping the what they're what are called mules which is just you know you've got the outside chassis of a of a vehicle it can't actually drive but it it otherwise it's the you know full scale version of a car that you can sit in you know that that's all they really need to do to to ship around and let people see what it looks like in person you know, by you know everyone who's seen the vehicle and, and and you can say that they're biased but the word is that it really takes your breath away when you see it in person, and so I, I'm hoping that they're gonna, that this webinar they're gonna say this is it, this is the car, this is what it does, and you know here are the dates or the 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 we're expecting Q3, Q4. You'll be able to see it on the east coast of the United States, in the south, in the Midwest. This is when you'll be able to see it in Europe, Central America, South America, um, in in Asia. I think they have reservations in different parts of Africa as well and 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 so I'm I'm hoping that they'll they'll start that. The the second uh, or the third prediction that I have is that I think we're going to hear about what the charging standard will be for the car and it's not going to be Tesla's network. When they first revealed the Aptera net video in last December, they I think everyone's eyes immediately uh, locked onto the fact that they were using a what was clearly a Tesla charger on the vehicle, and and it was it was later revealed that the the designers or, or the people who were building the car in the shop they preferred Tesla's standard to the 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 other you know the, the other Chatmo standards, and and so they were hoping to do that. I think they hinted that they were in discussions with Tesla about this. And ultimately, I, I think the fact that we're in June and they haven't been able to talk about this is, is I, I think that they're trying to get to production by the end of the year. They're hoping to work with Tesla. If that works at a future date, then that's that'll be fine. But I think they're trying to move on without letting these negotiations with Tesla to use their charging network. And so we're going to hear, you know, this is, they're going to show, I think they, they moved, they, it was mentioned that they moved the charging port location from the back uh, of the, of the vehicle. It was behind the, that small license plate on the back and it's been moved to the front. When they, when they do that, when they show, this is what it looks like in the front, they're also going to show what the, the standards are. Next, I, I think we're going to hear about either plans or, or development for a narrower and shorter variant of the Aptera that will be available in Europe and Asia. Well, I, I think, you know, I, immediately when people, when they showed what the length and the width of the car, I, I think a lot of people's minds went to um, Europe, uh, European roads and, and the standards there. And 
and ideally the car would maybe be a little bit smaller but I also rem I, I mentioned Asia as well because I, I remember hearing somewhere that the Tesla Model 3 was the width was specifically targeting Japan and parking spaces there um, the, the Model S was was maybe an inch or two too wide for um, I think the automated parking in in Japan and and so the the Model 3 was designed to be a little bit narrower and right now if you look at the specs the the Aptera is the the same width as a Tesla Model S which is you know I think it's it's even trickier based on the fact that you know the 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 body the central the monocoque design of the car actually isn't that wide and so when you're in it it I think it can kind of be deceptive that the the two front wheels are what are really giving the car the width which is I, I think can lead to some some fairly costly and expensive accidents and so if they can make that a little bit narrower I think that will will help its marketability around the world uh, of course changing that you know the the length and the width of the vehicle that's going to impact the aerodynamics aerodynamics that will impact the interior space you know there yeah and I think that means that if they do talk about the you know the plans for a narrower version they may also talk about the fact that it's going to take longer to get cars to or the vehicles to these markets because they're essentially going to have to 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 come up with a, com a completely separate design which will have different performance specs and you know since they're doing everything custom with the composites it, I think it's I think it, it'll be a little challenging and l my last prediction for the webinar um, and you know this will this is this one depends on how much they talk about fundraising but I think there's there's a chance that we may hear about plans for Aptera to go public and uh, this is my follow-up prediction to, to their announcement of the hiring of a new CFO Janice Burlingame um, I think in, on her CV she, it showed that she had experience taking companies public I would not be surprised if there are some plans to do something similar to 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 raise funding for Aptera as well so those are my predictions for for Wednesday I'd love to hear yours you know please reach out to me either at the email address apt evs podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on twitter at apt underscore evs podcast i'd love to hear your predictions as well next up i wanted to talk about an article that crank software shared um, I think it was a uh, last week it might have been a couple of weeks ago about the graphical user interface that is in development for the Aptera vehicle and this is something that has been discussed in the past if if you've seen any pictures or interior pictures of the Aptera they have a a large cent central centrally located horizontally oriented tablet that looks very similar to the Tesla Model 3 and the Model Y and the company that is designing the software for it they're called crank software and uh, you know we've we've gotten a little bit of information um, from I, I think Chris Anthony spoke about it in a webinar with Sandy Monroe back in either January or February where he referred to you know the 
at, about what their plans were, and I think they did a short video about it, about their their intention to incorporate different energy efficiency measures into the the interface. And there's a few cool tidbits in there. It 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 firstly, well, I guess continuing on the theme on efficiency, you know, based on some quotes from Chris Anthony, it, it sounds like that they they really are focusing on using the the central inter interface and providing options that that allow the driver to see their energy use data and to figure out what the impact is on their range based off of the different features that you're using in in the car. You know, this is something that that I learned um, both from when I first got interested in electric vehicles and from some friends who have electric vehicles, but that the range of the car is is impacted by your overall power consumption, which which uh, I guess that makes sense, but what that in practical reality means is that if if you're using more air, air conditioning, more heat, the range of the vehicle is shorter, and so it it looks like what they're trying to do with or what Crank is building into the the options is is that you'll be able to 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 both see what the impact is on your overall range. Um, based off of not just how you're driving, but also based off of different systems that you're you're using at the at the same time, and and things that you can do to, or I guess methods to add range to your 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 trip. You know how are your how you're driving. You know how climate control. You know how things are are dis displayed and and making it readily accessible um, to the driver, which 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 sounds really really cool. It it you know it, you know maybe I'm, I'm not creative enough and. I'm trying to visualize it, but this is definitely one of the things that I'm excited to see what it actually looks like in, in live, either through someone else taking a test drive or if I get the opportunity or once I finally get a chance to get in the vehicle because yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like. But the part that really stood out to me in the article is you know, there is a, a line where they said that, you know, Aptera wanted to give drivers a smartphone-like experience that incorporated gesture controls so that the platform could easily be swiped to select functions on the digital display. And this really excited me because this was this was something that I discussed in an earlier episode uh, speaking about infotainment systems in vehicles. Um, as a as a quick recap, um, there there's a there's data and a lot of research that has shown that the cognitive demand of infotainment systems in cars is dangerously high and and a lot of drivers don't realize that by using the consoles that are built into vehicles they're not actually they're not behaving in a way that's materially i mean it, it's safer than using your smartphone but it's not safe enough to actually be considered safe for for pedestrians and for other drivers you're it's distracted driving in in short um and you know so the when i read the that you know, smartphone-like gesture controls to select functions. You know, for me, I, I'm interpreting that this is something that I, I was hoping they were to do, that you'd be able to swipe a direction on the, the console instead of precisely hitting a, a button. You know, this is this is something that I think is a, a big problem in existing infotainment systems, is that they're they're designed to perfectly duplicate your cell phone experience, except that when you're using a cell phone, you're looking at the phone the entire time that you're using it, which is fine because you're you're not you're not supposed to be doing anything else. 
but with a car, you know, you, you can't, you mean just, just take your, you can look at your phone now. In order to open any app, you have to, pr you have to press a precise area on the screen. And, and that doesn't really work in a car because if you have to focus on a narrow region of a, a screen while you're driving, you're, you're necessarily, your eyes are not on the road. In contrast, if you're using gesture controls, which is also true of your phone, you know, they're, they can, your gesture controls on a phone, they can let you get into different options more quickly. But in a car, I think they're, they're critical because they would allow you to, to, to select options without looking at a touch face screen. Uh, the example I use is that if by swiping quickly up or, or down or, you know, twice in the direction up would immediately bring up the, the, the climate controls in a vehicle then you don't need to look around for the button that that says AC and focus on it. You could just swipe quick quickly in a direction, and you know that will maybe you swipe quickly up and it turns the heat on. You swipe down three times and it turns the air conditioning on, and 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 so then you don't need to look at the screen at all. And and if if that to me that that's how I'm interpreting when they're saying uh, gesture controls and incorporating that in. Um, it's it's not something that I've I yeah, I'm. I've seen in other cars, but granted, I do not drive a lot of cars often. I, I have seen a range of infotainment systems, but I think it's a, a great direction to go in because, you know, that I think that the one of the conclusions of the studies is that the reason why, uh, I guess, physical controls are are less distracting than than touch screens interfaces is that you don't need to look at them. You can once you learn where all of the knobs are. You can just flip all the switches that you want in in a car, and, and gesture controls would allow you to do the similar thing. You you just learn what you need to do, and you just start swiping in directions, and and that'll turn on you know basic options for the car. And, and the, I I think that that's a that's great news for Aptera. That's great. That's it more. That's even better news for overall vehicle safety. And I and I look forward to to hearing more about what they're doing. And that concludes episode 14 of the Apt EVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting as always, and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow the sustainable transportation movement, as well as let more people know about this incredibly cool car that is the, the Aptera. Uh, the Apt EVs podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, so you can look for for it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions or feedback, including any corrections, please send those to aptevspodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore EVs podcast. Thank you to OS50 for the song Movies and in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 